Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Let's go. Judges chapter 5. So I want to talk to you today about that. Jesus, use me. Don't refuse me. And in Judges chapter 5, God is going to war. God has declared a war against an evil king named Sisera, who is a murderer, he's a thief, he's a killer, he's a, he's, he's, he's a picture of Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And God's had all he's going to take from this evil leader. And he said, I'm going to war against him. He declared war. Notice the reaction of war when God goes to war in verse 2. When the leaders lead in Israel, the people willingly offer themselves. What a powerful verse. Underline that. The people willingly got involved. They didn't have to be begged. They didn't have to be, you know, pushed. And They willingly offered themselves. Verse 4, Lord, when you went out to Seir, when you marched into the field, when you were on the battlefield, Lord, when you declared war, notice what happened. The earth trembled. The heavens descended, one translation says, or poured. The clouds began to rain. The mountains gushed or bowed before the Lord. Then in verse 12, Deborah, a woman whom you wouldn't think in the middle of a battlefield where arrows are flying and swords are swinging, that a woman says, Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. She says, I may not be able to fight as good as some mighty, mighty men in the battlefield, but I can, I'll give my song to assist God in warfare. And she starts singing and rallying the troops. Then in verse 20, they fought from the heavens. Who? The stars. From their courses fought against Sisera, the king. The torrent or the river of Kishon swept them away. The ancient river, the torrent of Kishon, was part of the warfare if God is going to war. Verse 22, the horse's hooves pounded. The galloping, galloping of his steeds. Then everything changes. You've got all this reaction to God going to war. But in verse 23 is a powerful and critical change and really a revelation. A voice comes from an angel who is dispatched from heaven and he says, curse me, Rose. This is a tribe. And I'm going to tell you why they get cursed. And then he doesn't just say curse them, but he says, curse its inhabitants bitterly. I'm putting a bitter curse on this people. What in the world did they do to deserve a bitter curse from an angel sent from God? Because they did not come to the help of the Lord against His enemies. This is a profound, profound thing when you really grasp the depth of what is happening here. Judges chapter 5 is God's diary of demands, God's expectations for His people and even creation when He declares war upon an enemy. When God declares war, notice the first thing that happened. The Scripture said in verse 2, the people willingly offered themselves. The real proof that you're born again 
is not because you walk down and you say a prayer as the preacher told you to say it. But true conversion is found in Acts chapter 9 when, when, when Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the apostle, when he was converted, when he, when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, the Bible said the first, things that came, the first thing that came out of his mouth after he was saying, save me, Lord, then the next thing he says is, what would you have me to do? The real sign that you've been born again and had a true conversion is something in you wants to do something for Jesus Christ. If you don't have anything in you that wants to be used by Him for His glory and His honor, it's because you've not been born again. Because... When you understand the weight of the cross and how good God has been to you to forgive you of your sins, there's something in you that says, I want to willingly offer myself back for what you've done for me. The people willingly offered themselves. Verse 4 said, the earth trembled. If God is going to war, the earth that God made said, well, if my Creator is going to war, I'm not going to sit back and watch Him fight on the battlefield against this evil king and me do nothing. So the earth said, I can't preach and I can't sing, but I can shake. And you all know that in California. I can shake. And the earth said, I'm going to war with God because the one who created me is fighting against evil and I'm going to shake. I, I can't do what other things can do that He created, but I can shake. Can you imagine Sisera? He had 600 chariots of iron. He had thousands of iron uh, armed men. But when they get out on the battlefield under them, how unfair is that? Under them, they're, 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 the earth is shaking. Just where they're standing, God's army's fine. But the earth said, I can't, I can't sit on the sideline if God's going to war. Then the heavens dropped. I looked that up and it said the fog, that, that fog, the, the, the atmosphere, the, 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 this is crazy, the sky, the terra. What's it, is it, you know, it, it, it said, well, if my creator is going to war and the earth is going to do what it can do and the people are willingly offering themselves, the fog came down on the battlefield to where they couldn't even see. Where, where's the enemy? I can't even see. I can't even see. And then the clouds, the Bible said, began to pour rain. The clouds said, oh, God's going to war? Oh, you heard God, God's going to war? I, I, I know what I can do. I can drop rain and I'll make mud puddles for those iron chariots to get stuck in. Because my God's going to war. Deborah uttered a song. She said, if God's in a battle, I'm going to give Him a song. I'm going to give Him a praise. I'm going to join my song to what He's doing in the earth because He's out to stop the enemy that's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And I've got a song that I can sing, so I'll assist Him in my song. The stars fought from their courses or from heaven. You have to understand that the only way that they got around back then was to follow. The stars are fixed. They do not move. And that's why the Magi knew where the birth of Christ was. They followed the star. But the star said, if our Creator, the one who named us by name and hung us in, 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 against the velvet black of night, if, if, if my Creator is going to war, I am not going to stand up here and give direction to His enemy. I'll hide myself. I'll move out of my position and get them confused. Because my Maker is going to war. I love verse 21. It said, the river said, if God's going to battle, crank up the current. Flood the river. 
And all I need you to do is if you see one of Sisera's men, just shove him in. Just shove him in. If you shove him into my river, the current's so strong, I'll take him down. You'll never see him again. Because if God's going to battle, i got to get involved. The horses, I love this. The horses said, I can't preach and I can't sing, but if God's going to war, I can stomp. And if you'll knock them down on the ground, I'll stomp their brains out. Because if God's going to war, come on, I'm going to preach whether you want me to or not. You just keep looking at me. But, 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 the, but the horses, even the horses said, I got to get involved. And then everything changes. So, so you've got the river moving and you've got the horses stomping and you've got the clouds pouring and you've got the heavens dropping and you've got the earth shaking and you've got some of the believers who are willingly offering themselves. And then an angel is dispatched in the middle of all of this that says, I curse you, Meros. It's a tribe called Meros. I bitterly curse you because you came not to the help of the Lord. You're standing around in the most critical hour with your hands in your pocket doing nothing when God has declared war against an enemy that is destroying lives. And an angel saw them, listen carefully, inactive and cursed them bitterly Because God was in the battle and you came not to the help of the Lord. I'm here today to announce to you that heaven has declared war upon sin, upon Satan, upon demonism, upon addiction, upon brokenness, upon suicide, upon alcoholism, upon defeated lives upon hopeless people. Heaven has declared war to say no longer will Sisera, Satan be able to destroy randomly anybody he wants in Orange County. I have declared war on the enemy of your soul. And the call of the Spirit is all hands on deck. Enlist. Involve. Invest. No one in this critical hour. The signs of the times are all around us. Jesus is coming soon. And this is no time to stand around and say I'm saved, but I got my hands in my pockets and I'll watch everybody else fight, but I'm not going to engage in the battle. The Bible said that the angel cursed them bitterly because they did nothing to come to the help. Of the Lord. And that same Lord has declared, I tell you, I feel this, He has declared war against people who have no hope in Orange County, who do not know Jesus, who are deceived and lost. He's not against those people, against the spirit, the lies, the deception of the enemy. And He says, the only thing that can reach them is my church. Matthew 12, Jesus put it this way our leader. He said, he that is not with me is against me. He that does not gather with me scatters abroad. There is no neutrality. The middle ground has vanished in the critical hour we're living in. You're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. 
But you can no longer come to church and sit in a seat and just hope that this city gets changed. God is saying, I want you to come out of your inactive state and I want you to give me what you've got and let me use you. I'm declaring war on carnality and sin and the bondage of Satan and I need you to help me fight to reach souls. Greatest battle that we fight in churches like this that are so great is not sin, Satan, or society. It's called boredom. Masses of people who profess to know Jesus Christ but never get involved more than to attend a service when the Lord has declared war on people who this time next week will take their life if somebody doesn't reach them. Who's on the Lord's side? Will we suffer the curse of Nero's in the most critical hour of human history? I'm saying to you, all you have to do to go to hell is nothing. What are you doing for heaven's sake? Come on, turn to somebody and say, what are you doing for heaven's sake? All you have to do to go to hell is nothing. You You want me to text that? You want me to give you Bible proof of that? The servant who was given one talent wasn't expected to give back ten talents. But the Bible said he took what he was given and he did nothing with it and he hid it. And the Bible said he was called wicked, slowful, unprofitable. All you have to do to be wicked in God's eyes is do nothing with what you have been given when he's going to war. There's something you can do There's a gift, there's a talent, there's an ability that you have that should be engaged in this church, in the kingdom work, in the ministry. There's more to it than just coming and being fed the Word of God and told how wonderful you are. At some point, you have to say, Lord, here I am. What would you have me to do? I can't do what somebody else can do, but I can do this so important that we understand the high unemployment rate in the church. There's a huge invisible sign outside of every church that says help wanted, apply inside. Jesus, our founder, put it this way. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Not the sitters, the laborers are few. Not the attenders, the laborers are few. We Need your help. We need preachers. We need worship team leaders. We need ushers. We need small group hosts. We need altar teams. We need people to work in our youth ministry. We need volunteers to work in our children's ministry. We need parking lot people. We need greeters. We need people who will run cameras and work in audio, work behind the scenes. We need your help. God is going to war for the souls of men and women. And we sit with amazing gifts in this room. But how many are under the curse of Nero's? Because while the battle's going on, you offer nothing willingly to the Lord. This is strong, isn't it? 
If you're not working and you don't have a job, why don't you come pray three hours? First of all, you'll get a job pretty quick. Let God have your gift free of charge. If you can paint, when I grew up in the church, I was telling them in the first service, we, we, my dad pastored a little country church, but we did everything. They assigned families uh, a Sunday that they had to clean the church. Uh, they had a little thing in the back, and, and, you had to, and they would assign your family, the Smith family, vacuum clean the church, cut the grass. I'm not saying we're going to go back to that. Relax. <laughs> but, but, but I'm just telling you, it was expected. It was expected. If something needed painting, we called the painters. And, and the painters in the church would come, oh, oh, I would love to use my gift to paint. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. It, it, it's amazing. It's amazing the mentality now. I used to cut the grass before I could play football. My dad taught me that. You go cut the church grass and then you can play in that field. But until you cut that grass, you're not going to play in that field. I used to clean the church for my dad every Saturday. Vacuum clean the church. My brother had to do the basement. He had the basement, Sunday school, get all the chairs, sweep the floors. We just did that. We didn't even think about it. I'm not saying we're going to go back to that, but I'm just saying there's, there's something wrong when we just come and get and get and get and get and get and get and get. And many of you have gifts. I wrote down things we need. <laughs> this, this is a big one. You know what else we need? We, we need some people to get rich and bless the church. Let, let me be very clear. We need you to go get a job and become extremely successful and every week write big old checks and say, preach the gospel. I'm involved in the war. I may can't preach. I may can't do good in the parking lot, but I can make some money and here I'm going to do my part. If the earth can shake and the rain can pour and if the river can flow, I can do something for God. Come on and take a praise break and willingly offer yourself. You don't have to beg me. You don't have to plead with me. If this is what I can offer the one who died for me, I gladly write the check. And something's wrong with the heart if that's not your heart. I played the piano for my daddy when we didn't have a piano player. I was the drummer when we didn't have a drummer. He needed a junior high Sunday school teacher. And I became the junior high Sunday school teacher. One time he, his children's pastor left him and he said, you be the children's pastor. And I became the children's pastor and got real prolific with puppets and all kinds of things. Come on, church. You have something. You could start a small group. You've been through a divorce. The pain you feel is the pain you can heal. There's women going through a divorce just like you went through. What if you started a small group and had a gathering of three or four? Oh, I'm waiting on a big thing. That is a big thing. Big doors swing on little hinges. And when you do what God tells you to do, it's a big deal. Matthew 20 and verse 6, Jesus asked, Why stand you here all the day idle? And then he answered, they answered in the next verse when they said unto him, No man hires us. 
I'm waiting on somebody to pay me to do something for the Lord. When, when are we going to get the spirit of willingly offering ourselves to the Lord? With no motive, not to be seen, not some big... Some people only want to be a chandelier in God's living room. They don't want to be a nightlight in God's hall. But the nightlight has helped more people from stumbling than the chandelier ever will. I'll be a nightlight for the glory of God. And if you'll be willing to do the little... If you're too big to do the little things, you're too little to ever do a big thing. They said, because no man has hired us. I have it all the time. Pastor, I feel like God's called me to preach. Would you, I'd like to put in my application. And I always look at him and say, where are you serving? Well, you don't understand, I'm a prophet. <laughs> Go park cars. Everybody, we hire volunteers. We don't need your gift that bad. If it's too big for you, you got such a big old thing on you that you can't do what I did when I was coming up cutting grass. I had a big call on my life. But I was cutting grass and cleaning up vomit and cleaning out the toilets. I shouldn't tell that because Sharice will make me do it again. But I used to do it at Free Chapel. Not at Free Chapel, at my daddy's church. It was awful. I didn't feel like a prophet, a big shot pastor that'll preach to the nations and preach in the Microsoft Center. I'm cleaning doo-doo for Jesus. Welcome to ministry. But oh, if you have the spirit of washing feet, Jesus will raise you up to be exactly what he's called you to be. Willingly offer yourself where you are. Quit waiting on a big thing. When I win the lottery, I'm really going to bless Free Chapel. Not if you don't tithe on the thousand you make a week now. You won't do it. Go on and swallow. Breathe. Come on, take a breath. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, if you're going to remain stupid, I cannot be your friend. Come on. Just tell them, I, tell them you, you, you gotta, you, at some point, you got to step up. I'm sorry, I'm getting cranky now. I'm going to give you a secret. Don't you ever forget what this... I'm going to tell you, the presence of God is settling in this room. I don't know a lot of things, but I know the Spirit. I feel His help. It's coming so fast in me that I can't hardly get it out. That's when I know He's... Angels are in this room. One of the most powerful things you can learn is what I'm about to teach you in Mark chapter 14 and verse 8. The woman broke open the alabaster box of expensive ointment, began to pour it on the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, she is to be immortalized and talked about. Why? Verse 8, because, throw it up, because she has done what she could. Are you doing what you can? If you'll do what you can, God will do what you can't. But God will not do what you can't until you do what you can. She has done what she could. There's a church in North Carolina, 
And the pastor said, you see that young man right there? He's about 16, maybe 17 years old. I said, I said, yeah, I see him. He said, you know, obviously he has Down syndrome. And he was sitting on the end of our row. And, and the, pa- the pastor said, he gets here an hour early every service. And he said, when you go up, and they had a big pulpit. He said, when you go up, there will be a glass of water that has already been poured and he said, and he named his name, I can't remember his name, but God does. He named his name, and he said, he put it there. He comes in an hour early, he makes his mother bring him. And he, his job is to make sure the preacher has water. And, he, and he, it was funny, we sat on the, he sat on the end, and little buddy just watched us the whole time. And if we acted like we needed water, he had a bottle of water, and he was sitting on the edge of his seat. Do you hear me? He's doing what he can. And he'll get as great of a reward as Billy Graham. Because if you offer a cup of water in my name, if you do it with the right spirit and do what you can, God will do what you can't. There's a woman in our church in, uh, in Georgia. Every building program we've been in, we, we, built, we built many, many buildings. We own many, many campuses. God's helped us. There's a woman in that church, Therese knows her sister Jordan, and I see her face right now. And every time we went in a massive building program that was going to require multiplied tens of millions of dollars, Sister Jordan, I call her. She is the greatest cake baker you have. You people don't know how to get a good cake. In the, come to the South. We'll feed you some red velvet. We'll feed you some cake. We'll feed you some German chocolate like you have never experienced out here in your little fancy bakeries with cupcakes. And that's not real food. You come to the South. I'll te- I'm telling you, this woman can cook. People will pay $100 for her cakes. And Sister Jordan, every time we go into a building program, she gets the bacon in her little kitchen. Just a widow, just a simple little apartment she lives in. She bakes cake, 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 sells themselves, brings in thousands of dollars. Build the church. Build the church. She does what she can. She did what she could. Naaman refused to get in the Jordan River and dip seven times, but the servant had to take him to the school of the supernatural when he said, if he had asked you to do some big thing, you would have done it. Some spectacular thing to get you a lot of praise and attention. You'd have done it. Too many resist involvement with the small. But how about you, businessman, who's so successful? How about you, attorney? Well, how about you, lawyer? This morning in the, after the first service, a man came up to me, handsome guy, sharp guy. And he said, Pastor, I'm a dentist. He said, I've been in this church for a year. And his eyes teared up. And he said, I will not sit on that seat anymore. I don't know what I can do. I'll do anything. But I willingly offer myself as a doctor. I'm going to do something for Jesus. I said, go, go, go to work tomorrow. Get rich. Write a check. <laughs> and when I need you, we'll have a clinic sometime maybe and help widows or somebody that needs their teeth fixed. And you'll be there. Come on. Come on. If we'll love the people nobody wants, God will give us the people everybody wants. 
That's why tonight at 5 o'clock when those Dream Center trucks pour up, buses pull up in that parking lot and they walk up here and the men will sit somewhere over here, about 40 of them, and the girls, some of them from the sex trafficking floor, some of them just in addiction, about 20 to 30 of them will sit somewhere over here. If, If we will love the people that nobody wants... God will give us the people that everybody wants. I don't care if you pulled up on a bicycle, a moped, or a Mercedes. We love you. We're glad you're here and you have something you can offer the Lord. Come on and clap and say amen. I'm almost done. Will you give me five more minutes? Just just listen a minute. It's been said that what a child gets punished for when they're little, they get paid for when they're adults. And I was thinking about that saying, and when I was little, most of the spankings that my mother gave me, and she gave me a lot, most of them came not from what I did, but from what I said. I have always had a sharp tongue. I I can quickly come back. I can quickly come back. (laughs) It's true. It's effortless. (laughs) I can frame a thought and say it quick and rip you to shreds if I want to. that's, That's bad. And my mother, I've I've told this story and they swear it's true. I was, I, I was cutting up in church. She grabbed me by the ear when I was about six years old, seven years old. There are people who swear, dragged me out right in the middle of my daddy's preaching, right down the aisle. And she said out loud, I believe the devil's got a hold of you, Jensen Franklin. And I looked right up at her and said, I believe he does too. That's just, it just, it's just natural for me. I told her the other day, I said, Mom, all those times you were whipping me, you didn't know you were whipping a preacher, did you? The very thing that you think God can't use is the very thing He can use the greatest. Because here I am, she's trying to whip that out of my mouth, and here I am holding a microphone. You're not. God's using that same little sassy mouth. And those who were in the first service watched a miracle, by the way. There was a boy sitting right there who had on a red coat I don't know how in God's name he got on the front row. He's never been to this church before. I talked with him after service. I stopped preaching and started crashing on him just to make the point on his red coat. And he started talking back to me. And we started crashing on and kind of going at each other. It was the funniest thing. I can't recreate that. When I gave the altar call, he came forward and got saved and was weeping. He said, my daddy begged me to come to church. I didn't want to go to church, hadn't been in church for a long time, but he said, I came today and somehow they put me on the front row and the preacher attacked me. (laughs) God used that usher. I'm almost done. Sometimes I stand at the back door in Georgia and I shake people's hands as they're leaving. And hopefully they won't tell me their whole life story because it's a long line. Just make it brief. 
Let's keep moving. But this particular lady came. And she's, you know, I, could, I knew it, I could see it coming, you know. She looked like a cover girl for the Book of Lamentations. You could just. She walked right up to me and she said, I've been out of church for four weeks. And nobody even called me. And see, this is my weakness, my tongue. Sometimes it's sanctified, sometimes it's not. And before I knew what I was saying, I was saying, well, whose fault is that? You mean you can be out of church for four weeks and nobody even... You're so uninvolved in what God is doing that you can miss four Sundays in a row and nobody even know you weren't there? That's on you. Have a good day. Because if you're involved... Can you imagine people who are involved? If they're involved, where is, where are they? Where's that girl? Where's that thing on her head? Where is she? Why is she not in? Where is the people who are involved? The, pe- the sound people, the people involved on they, Where are you? But if you can be, here's a good test. If you could be out of this church for four weeks and nobody miss you, it means you aren't making a difference. Well, you just wanted that blessing to come to church today, didn't you? I'm telling you the truth. People willingly offered themselves. How do you know you're called to preach? It's a burden. How do you know you're saved? It's not just a blessing, it's a burden because you see the lost perishing, riding by on jamboree. I see the cars by the thousands while I'm preaching. Somebody's got to say, I willingly offer myself. We've been here for 10 years now. And I sense in my heart God is ready to do something and begin to expand this ministry. We could have more campuses. We could do more. We could reach new communities. But it will not happen until people say, I willingly offer myself anywhere. I'll do what I can and God will do what I can't. Romans 12 and verse 1 says this, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, listen to this, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It is not unreasonable for God to expect more out of you than coming to church every week and doing nothing for the Lord. It is reasonable for God to say, willingly, Start a small group. Do what you can do. Get involved. Offer yourself. And by the way, if you want your family to stay in church, you do the same thing. Do you know who used to work in the children's church when we started this church? My children. Do you know who used to believe back there and praise and worship? My family. Do you know why? Because I've learned that if I get them involved in the church, they stay in the church. So today, as I close, God is asking us, to do what we can or potentially be under the curse of Nero's in the most critical hour in human history. We can make a difference. We can change the world. We can win our families and our, our, our community right here in Orange County if everyone will offer themselves willingly. God 
will do what you can't if you'll do what you can. Stand to your feet all over this room. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.